next month or so, we'll be working our way through the book of Daniel and um, examining his life and his friends' lives. So today I'm going to be looking at Daniel chapter 1 and specifically what it tells us about how we can live with integrity. And I think the book of Daniel has a lot of relevance to where we find ourselves today. He and his friends were just normal people. They were probably like us. And actually, we think that they were probably teenagers at the time. And they were figuring out how to be godly people in a totally non-church culture. And it's a bit like us here today. We've been talking about how do we practically figure out how to love God, love people, and make a difference. When for most of us, we work and study and live and have families that are totally alien to our beliefs places that are becoming increasingly secular and maybe more difficult for us to be Christian within. But Daniel 1 shows us an example of a small group of believers who were loyal to God and who trusted him in the midst of uncertain circumstances. And it demonstrates how living with integrity can bring us into a place of blessing and favor with God. But before we jump in, what does integrity mean? It's kind of this high, high ideals word that we think about. Um, and when I had a look into it, it's associated with other words like honesty, sincerity, righteousness, honor, and good character. I think I've thought about it in the past before as doing the right thing, just always doing the right thing no matter what. But I think it's not just about doing the right thing. It's about allowing the person you are on the inside to be the same as the person you are on the outside. So if God is working in us, which hopefully for most of us he is today, it should be evident in how we're acting. Another, way to good, another good way to think about it is consistency. How consistent are you? We read through the scriptures that God is totally consistent. His actions and behavior always match his character and his nature. And in the same way, our behavior and our beliefs need to be consistent. So as I read through Daniel 1, um, I want you to be listening out for where Daniel and his friends demonstrate these qualities. So Daniel 1, Daniel's training in Babylon. So in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. 
and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So there's three things that I want to pull out of this passage today in understanding how we can live with integrity. That's courage, cooperation without compromise, and fellowship. So let's start with courage. In verses 5 to 7, we read, King Nebuchadnezzar appointed Daniel and his friends to be in his service. And to help us understand what's going on, what that means, these were really difficult times. There is this clash of superpowers that we read about, and the Israelites are stuck in the middle, and they get totally trodden on. The Babylonians take over Jerusalem, and its people are having to try and maintain hope when they're in the land of their conquerors. So when Daniel is taken into the king's palace, it is as a slave He's being separated from his people and his land. And to serve the king involved three years of training, during which time they were given new names, a new education, and different food that we read about. So if we think about it, they're effectively being indoctrinated. They're being asked to leave their Jewish culture and their Jewish God behind for a new way of life. And in particular, we read about this this issue of the temptation of food, this amazing food from the king's table that they're offered that easily could have been perceived as a really good thing. It sounds really good. It's from the king's table. I'm sure it was very rich and fancy and lavish, and it would have been completely different to what they were used to eating. But Daniel and his friends make a big deal out of this seemingly little thing. So why was it an issue? Why did they make a big deal out of this? 
Well, we know that the food wouldn't have met the requirements of Jewish law, the Torah, which outlined which foods were clean and unclean for the Jewish people. It was to set them apart so that they were holy. They would have also had to have assumed that the king's food was offered to pagan gods and that this, again, would violate their food laws. But I think it's bigger than that. I think it's a, it was a way of pressuring them into giving up their Jewish identity. They were being forced... They didn't really have a choice. They were being forced to take on a new identity. And I think we can face a similar trap today. I'm sure that the enemy would like nothing more than for each of us to be fed, identified, and educated on the ways of the world rather than on the good things of God. But we read in verse 8 that Daniel chose not to defile himself he recognized the temptations presented to him as good things. So he recognized first that they were temptations, and he stood up against them. And this is where he shows us what courage looks like in this story. I don't think anyone would have known if he went ahead and ate the food. He was far from his friends and family. They wouldn't have known. He could have just you know, nibbled on some of the food, and no one probably would have made a big deal out of it. He also could have been thinking that God had failed him at that time. He'd been taken in horrible circumstances to a, to a new kingdom. And yet he requested to eat the food that was clean. He stood up for what he knew was right, and he didn't hide his reasons. Um, he could have said something along the lines of, oh, I've got allergies or intolerances. I don't eat um, that kind of bread. Or, you know, there's lots of ways he could have hid the reasons why, but he was very clear, actually, this was against his beliefs. That was why he was taking a stand. He was resolute, and it takes courage to have integrity. It takes courage to stand up against the pressures that the world puts, us, puts upon us. But it tells us in verse 9, directly after that, that because of his request, God showed Daniel and his friends favor and compassion. So we've already seen how Daniel and his friends have had courage with an entirely alien situation. But what was their character like through all this uncertainty? They've gone through this horrible, difficult process of being taken away. And what are they like in this situation? Are they rebellious or stubborn or rude? We actually read that they were cooperative. They were willing to, ch they were willing to change their names, to learn a new language, and to serve a foreign king. But when it came to their sticking point about this violating of their laws and identity, there was no compromise. And in the same way, we don't want to be the kind of people who say no to everything. It would be really sad if other people's understanding of us as Christians were that we were stubborn or uncooperative, or that we said no to everything, that we were killjoys. So we need to resolve in our hearts what is important, what is worth our time, and what isn't important. What do we need to be, sorry, what we need to resolve in our hearts, what is important and what isn't important. What are we going to stand for? What are you going to stand for? And to do that, we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. We need to be aware of where he is telling us that the line is not to cross. And it might be different for each of us. That line might be different depending on the situation we're in. It could be different depending on who we're with. 
It might be specific to our situation, our school, our uni, our workplace. We don't want to stick like glue to unimportant things. What are the unimportant things? We don't want to stick to those. But neither do we want to be so flexible on the big things that we're indistinguishable from the secular world. And so Daniel has this conviction. He has this thing that he wants to stand for. How does he act upon it? Well, in verses 10 to 13, we see that he petitions the guard. He asks him really firmly, but politely. The guard is obviously a bit worried. He says, you know, I don't know about this. The king could get us in trouble. Why won't you just eat the food? So Daniel recognizes that the guard is a bit cautious, and he acts reasonably and wise with him. He puts his test before the guard. And I think that shows real wisdom. And when we're faced with similar situations and feel God is asking us to stand, it takes wisdom to know how to act. But James 3.17 tells us, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So what can we learn from Daniel in this? I think... He's saying we can go fully into the workplace or the culture or the school or wherever you are. You know, get stuck in, become a part of what you're getting involved in. But equally, we need to be listening and rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us in that situation. We need to be aware of what he's telling us and where that line may be that we're not to cross. And we have this um, great opportunity coming up that we've already talked about with Love Guilford on the 2nd and 3rd of March. And it's an opportunity to put aside these two days to practically serve love and show love to our community. And there's lots of ways to get involved. We've already talked about that, so I won't go in and into it again. But this is a chance to show our integrity, isn't it? It's a chance to show how our behavior matches our beliefs. And I think if we truly believe that we keep saying that we are called to love God, love people, and make a difference, this is a chance to demonstrate that. And so I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to get stuck in if you're sitting on the fence. I think the third thing we can see from this passage is the importance of fellowship. I thought it was interesting to think about what would have happened if Daniel didn't say something in this situation. He's got his three other friends. If Daniel didn't say, I'm not going to eat that food, I wonder if his friends would have. They were Jewish as well. And obviously we can't know what would have happened in that situation. But I think what is interesting is that we see by, what Daniel, by Daniel's actions, he pulls his friends into the same commitment with him. So Daniel says, I'm not going to eat that food and neither are my friends. And I don't know if his friends were happy about that, if they were hoping to slip under the radar. But actually that's quite um, an impressive thing to do to say, I'm taking a stand, and actually my friends are going to take that stand with me. In the same way, we need people around us, groups of prayer and support, to encourage us forward, and occasionally to help us see where we need to pull our socks up, maybe a bit like Daniel's friends. And this is why at St. Saviour's we've got such a big focus on the big family. You know, we've got life groups and pods that are apparently all full at the moment, but... There's loads of opportunities for you to build in that support. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have that support network around you, how can you build that into your life? 
Who is your support network? Who is going to help you to recognize the Holy Spirit's direction, to help you pray through difficult decisions, offer wisdom and encouragement, and also celebrate with you? This group of four guys shows us that there is power in being bound together with others in the midst of difficult times. And it shows us as well that their resolutions that they made privately gave them the courage to stand corporately. Do you have somewhere like that, somewhere to build your resolutions? And verses 17 to, eight, 17 to 20 of this chapter tell us because of their courage and commitment, not only did God give them knowledge and understanding, but it tells us as well that the king found none equal to them. They stood out. The king found none equal to them, and they were blessed and promoted. So I'm keeping it quite short today. I'm going to sort of finish up around about there. But as I was sort of praying about integrity and what that looks like and how do we live that out, I felt that there might be some people who are maybe having to face making a hard decision. Maybe like Daniel, you're looking at something that could be disguised as a good thing, but you're not quite sure, or you think it might be wrong, or maybe you just need some direction from the Holy Spirit about, you know, is it the right thing or is it the wrong thing? You need direction and leading. We all face moments like this in our faith, and when we, when we have the choice to act with integrity in the, in the midst of risky situations. And I felt as I was praying about it, the Holy Spirit was sort of just saying the words that Nay had already said, actually, of just be brave. I want you to be brave. And that wasn't in the sense of, I'm telling you what to do. You need to do this now. You've missed your opportunity. Be brave. It was actually in a sense of a loving father just coaxing you and encouraging you, saying, be brave. I'm with you. I know what you're facing, and I want to be beside you as you go into this. The world needs people with integrity now more than ever, people who are true to their word and who are consistent with their beliefs and behavior. Daniel shows us an example of integrity in the midst of difficult times by demonstrating courage, cooperation without compromise, and fellowship. In the same way, you have been called to be brave where you've been placed. In the midst of that place, will you be consistent? Will other people recognize you as being consistent? People may not listen to our Christian talk, but they will notice holy, faithful, unshakable character. And I think we're just going to go into a bit of ministry time, but I wanted to leave that as the challenge with you as you think about that. How consistent are you? Do people recognize you as being consistent? And as we go into maybe some prayer, if you do feel that actually you need some direction or leading about a decision um, that you need to make, um, I'd really like to pray with you 